I know it's before noon, but who here loves ice cream? Any ice cream lovers? Kind of early to be talking about ice cream, but I have a question for you. Do you know where your ice cream cone is? Now that sounds like kind of a weird, crazy, bizarre, off-the-wall question. But for a customer at a Haagen-Dazs store in Kansas City, it was a very pertinent question. She had gone up to the counter and ordered her ice cream cone. They gave it to her, and about that time, she felt every head in the room turn to someone behind her. She turned around, and standing right behind her was Paul Newman. He was in Kansas City making a movie. Now, this was her very first time to have a celebrity that close to her, and at that moment, she forgot where she was, who she was. She was utterly speechless. She left the store in a stupor and realized she didn't have her ice cream cone. She'd paid for it, but where was her ice cream cone? Well, she was so embarrassed at that moment. She knew Paul Newman was in the store. How was she going to, like, you know, slink back in there and get her ice cream cone? And she was just, just totally flustered. But she starts to head back in for her ice cream cone, and Paul Newman is coming out the door, and he says to her, Can't you find your ice cream cone? She said, she couldn't speak. She was totally speechless. She said, he said, do you know where your ice cream cone is? And, and again, she just couldn't answer. And he said, actually, you put it in your purse along with your change. <laughs> now, we've all had those moments <laughs> where we've been distracted. And some distractions are messier than others. In her case, she may have thrown that purse away unless it was a Gucci. Then she'd have had it professionally dry cleaned. But uh, like I said, some distractions are messier than others. And putting the milk in the cabinet and the cereal in the refrigerator or your ice cream cone in your purse, that's one kind of distraction. But how about when the distraction is a little messier? Like you get so busy in the pursuit of your career that you find yourself isolated and alone with very few friends. Or you find yourself so engrossed in a new hobby that suddenly that hobby becomes more important than your partner. Or you become so consumed on the job that you will do anything to get ahead and you leave a trail of people behind you. It is easy to get distracted. And some distractions are messier than others. Because some distractions impact our soul. That's exactly what's happening in today's scripture from Luke. We see someone with wonderful motives and wonderful intentions who ends up distracted. It's the wonderful story of Jesus, Martha, and Mary. And Martha is so excited because Jesus is coming to her home. She can't wait to host him. She wants everything to be perfect. So she puts all of her effort into being perfect, making it right. That's great, except that while she's doing this, Jesus is right there. She wants everything to be perfect for him. And in doing so, she's ignoring him. 
She is so distracted with perfection that she loses her purpose. On top of that, even though her motives are great, she goes from distraction to judgmentalism. Because while she's doing all this work, she looks over and sees her sister Mary at the feet of Jesus. And she begins to think to herself, I've been serving on this committee for 20 years and no one's helping me. Why do I get stuck with the children and youth all the time? I have now served three times on the board of directors. Isn't it time for somebody else to step up? She had actually become distracted in servanthood. Something good, a wonderful motive. How, she, how did she state it? She said, Jesus, don't you care that my sister is making me do all the work? And Jesus responds with his famous answer that Robert quoted a little earlier in the service. Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by so many things. Mary, she has discovered the good part. The good part. Sometimes we get so busy doing good that we miss the good. So the challenge before us here is, how do we live our lives in the real world while still nurturing our souls? The key is to move from Martha time to God time. From Martha time to Christ time. We're always saying, we don't have enough time. I've got to get this ready. I've got to get this done. I've got to meet this deadline. I've got to make this happen. It's got to happen now. And we're constantly looking at our watch and our calendars and our schedules. And we're living on Martha time, Dwayne time, Jessica time, our time. And if it's my time or Martha time or your time, there's never enough time. But Mary, she found that place at the feet of Jesus. And she was living on God time. And with God time, there's always enough time. What is God time? It's something like this. The story of Mary, Martha, and Jesus teaches us that we are all called to live on God's time. When living on God's time, we nurture our souls in the presence of Christ. Then we are nurtured to do God's work with renewed energy and focus. We may be tempted to segment our lives into God times and busy times, yet our call is not to find time for God. Our call is to find God's time in all of our time. If we are in Christ, then Christ fills every moment of the day and night. In everything we do, we are finding Christ and we're serving Christ. We don't take time off from being with Christ any more than our hearts take time off from beating. At this exact moment, on an ordinary October Sunday, we are as fully immersed in God's time as when we're singing Silent Night on Christmas Eve or proclaiming Christ is risen on Easter morning. When we all see time as God's time, we should be prepared for the surprises that God holds for us even when we rest. Imagine that. 
Christ being so close that we know that presence with every heartbeat. We feel that strength with every heartbeat. That somehow we live our entire lives already in eternity. God's time. That place of soul nurture and soul sufficiency even in the midst of all that's going on around us. Now this sounds wonderful. <laughs> if we could all just live there. If every step we take could be a step of peace. If we lived with souls that were really alive. But it seems like the real world's not like that. The real world gets messy and crazy. In the real world, we get cut off while we're driving. How do we live in God's time in the real world? That's the real question. That's the real question. How do we live in God's time in the real world? Can you recognize God's time while participating in a tense, humorless confrontation between coworkers? Can you recognize God's time while answering the same question for the tenth time in your class of full of fifth graders? Can you recognize God's time while you're surfing the internet? Can you recognize God's time while attempting to prepare the dinner, holding a teleconference on the phone, and keeping that cat from throwing up on the carpet? <laughs> it's a matter of focus. It's a matter of where our hearts really are. It's learning that Christ really is as close as the nearest breath. And that's why this scripture is so powerful. Because we see Mary living in Christ's time, in God's time, right in the midst of all the craziness around us. We see Mary attending to what's really important. The wonderful thing about the Christian faith is that it practically applies to real life. Because Jesus modeled it. Jesus modeled God's time in the midst of the storm. Jesus saw the need and responded to it and was present to it. Jesus learned what it meant to be a good servant and keep his soul strong. When I was pastoring in Richmond, there was a Sunday morning that I will never forget. A person came for the first time and I noticed that very early in the service, he just began to silently weep. I'd never seen him before, but even at that moment, I began to pray for him. And even while we were reading scripture and singing, and even while I was preaching, underneath all of that, I was silently praying for him. We had a prayer time that morning, and he came to me. And I simply said, welcome to MCC Richmond. How could I pray for you today? And I will never, ever forget his words. He said, I want my soul to be well. It occurred to me that many of us go through life not really knowing how well our souls are. Oftentimes we go through life and there is this undercurrent of woundedness that we carry or this undercurrent of distance that we feel between ourselves and God. I later learned that his name was Hal, and it was a joy to 
watch Hal begin to emerge in his faith and to watch his soul become well. So I looked at this scripture today. I remembered that story because it occurred to me that that's what Mary was doing. We don't know what all Mary and Jesus were talking about in that moment. But it seems to me that probably she was talking about her life and Jesus was asking her question and she was sharing the truth about who she was. Those strong moments in her life and those moments of woundedness and those moments of separation and loss. Why was that so important? Because her soul was becoming well in the presence of Jesus. Her soul was being nurtured. She was being strengthened. And what was happening in that moment was more real and more powerful than any meal that Martha was preparing. Her hunger was that great and that real and that deep. This morning, I'd like us to have a well moment right here in the fountain. And by a well moment, I mean not only the well and the water that you see portrayed on our walls, but a moment of wellness, a moment of wholeness. I'd like us not just to talk about nurturing our souls, to talk about the presence of Christ, but to actually experience the presence of Christ. Christ is here right now. And so if you're comfortable, I invite you simply to close your eyes for a moment. Give yourself a chance to breathe. Give your chance a self to ask that question. Is my soul well today? Go ahead and place yourself in that scripture today. Imagine Jesus being present. Maybe imagine him in your own living room, that you're hosting him. Imagine him sitting in one of your favorite chairs. And now picture Mary sitting at his feet. Martha is helping you with all the arrangements of the day. But you look over and you see Mary and Jesus together. And you sense something happening there that you want to be a part of. Go over and be present to Christ. Be present to Jesus. Find yourself seated there right next to Mary. Feel her gently take your hand and squeeze it. And with that squeeze, you feel love like you've never felt before. And then at that same moment, you feel Jesus reach over and take your other hand. And the love that you feel with that hand is even greater than the love that you feel with the hand that Mary's taken. For a moment, just experience that presence and experience that love. All the key moments in your life are now coming right before you. The great times and the painful times. The people you've loved. The people that have loved you. The people you've hurt. The people who have hurt you. It's all coming together at that moment. The promotions, the demotions. The moments of confidence, the moments of embarrassment. It's all happening right there. 
And then Jesus squeezes your hand and asks a simple question. What can I do for you today? And you simply say, I want my soul to be well. And in that moment, you feel a presence. You feel a strength. You feel a wholeness and a confidence and an unconditional love that you've never experienced before. And you realize at that moment that that presence that you feel is going to be with you for the rest of your life. That you have someone who cares about you. Someone who will take your entire life and move it from your time into God's time. Jesus Christ, show us yourself. Make our souls well. Move us from our time into your time. Nurture our souls with every moment, with every choice we make, with every relationship we enter, with every step we take. Show us yourself. Heal us. Make us well. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world. And hear the prayers of your people who pray. Amen.